Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Today on the podcast, a youth development program in Lexington named Community Inspired Solutions. It's a nonprofit organization established in July 2014. Their mission is to provide educational and recreational activities and experiences to youth to promote education and deter youth from violence in their community, which is Lexington, Kentucky. Rebecca Webb is the director of the program and has been working with the kids since its inception. And she is our first guest, and we'll hear from one of the students a little bit later in the podcast. Ms. Webb, tell me about community-inspired solutions and what it was about a program that you thought uh, the community needed six or seven years ago. We were founded in 2014 uh, after there was a rash of youth violence here in Lexington. We had a lot of young people being shot and killed and people in the community were wondering what it was that they could do to try to make a difference and make a change. Community Inspired Solutions was a result of the group that I was working with. Uh, we thought that if we could offer the young people activities and, and some place to go and something to do that it would not only move them from harm's way, but would redirect them possibly in a way that would keep them away from the violence. What was it at that time, uh, not just the violence, but apparently there was a void in the number of programs that were being offered or the school-based programs weren't doing the job? What really touched you in a way that um, you put aside a lot of other things that you were involved in uh, to begin this program? It was personal for me. Um, I had a 13-year-old granddaughter at the time. I had just retired from my job and her mother worked night shift. So I thought, well, I'll get her involved in different activities and things and that'll take some problems away from mom. She'll have stuff to do and mom can be able to sleep. But when I went out and I started looking for programs to enroll her in, the void was you either had programs for low income families, or you had programs for families that could afford to pay. Uh, my daughter fell in the middle. She made too much for her daughter to qualify for the low income programs, but she didn't make enough to be able to pay for her to go into programming. Um, so when everything that happened in 2014 did, it was like, okay, we need something for those kids that are in the middle, for the parents that can't afford to pay for it, they should have the same opportunities. And that's kind of where we came in. Um, we don't charge for our programming. Everything we do is free to the parents and everybody is included. How difficult was it uh, for you to start a program from the, the ground up? This program got started on faith and it's still run by faith. I found uh, 
a workshop on how to start your own business with uh, community ventures. And I went and I signed up for it and I took that and it told me all about writing your business plan and everything. And then I was stuck again. But when all the violence began, uh, I began to meet with the group of concerned citizens and everybody was trying to find a way and what we could do. And things just kind of fell in place. I met a young man, a gentleman by the name of Mike Thomas and him and I had a discussion about what we would like to see in a program. Um, Mike worked with the, the equine industry. So he got people that he worked with in that industry involved. And that was where our initial funding came in to get started. From there, we did fundraisers. We did, we sold t-shirts, we had fish fries. We did whatever we could to raise the funds to be able to open up an office. And then once we opened an office, we started calling on family to come help us uh, and volunteer and they did. So we, we got started that way. We started with like 18 kids in a little three room office space over on Broadway. And we just followed our hearts basically and did what we thought would be beneficial. We started doing programming with the kids. We started doing activities with them, whether it was arts and crafts. We'd bring in speakers to talk to them about different topics, bullying, financial literacy, life skills, uh, just whatever we could find. We brought people in to do those things. And then we started the summer camp. And that was our big kickoff. Once we got the summer camp started, we started drawing kids. And then word of mouth, people found out about us. So they would bring their kids and then kids would tell other kids. And so we've grown by word of mouth. We went from those 18 kids at that first summer camp to where we average maybe 50, 60 kids over a four week summer camp each summer now. Tell me what um, you remember from that first conversation you had with Mike Thomas about the need that you saw in the community and what he recognized in your passion about the program that encouraged him to become a, a, a member and a supporter of yours. We actually became partners in it. We sat down, we both had ideas of what we wanted to see happen. So we sat down and we had that discussion. I told him, my ideas, because my piece of it was always about education uh, and teaching. And his was being able to teach skills and working in the horse industry. He had the opportunity to train young people to work with horses, um, like I said, and not just having the benefit of the support of the people that he worked with in the horse industries, but he had the opportunity to take young people and train them starting at the ground up to work with horses. Uh, once that they had the training, he would get them jobs. We decided that at that first meeting that instead of him going off and starting an equine program somewhere and me going off and starting an educational program somewhere. If we work together, that we could reach more kids. I might be able to reach five or 10 kids. He might be able to reach five or 10 kids. But as a result, with us working together, we were able to work with larger groups of kids. 
I would do the summer camp along with my daughter and, and a couple of other ladies. And he would do the equine piece where um, he would take kids out to various farms that he worked with in different times. And they would learn to work with horses. And then because he worked the sales circuit and not necessarily the thoroughbred, I mean, the racing circuit, he would take them on the farms and he would teach them how to care for the horses. And then when they would have the sales like at Kingland, then those kids would get to work those sales, preparing the horses for the arena. Like I said, I took on the educational part of it and we went into trying to teach life skills and financial literacy, the anti-bullying agenda and trying to stop that. We just worked together that way. Another gentleman came in with us who had an interest in lawn and gardening and agriculture. So he took a group of kids and he worked with them doing that. So we had these little small groups to start with, but we all worked together. Now, some of the uh, other areas that I'm sure both of you uh, combined your skills uh, and brought in other speakers that I see in some of your uh, literature on your website, motivation, goal setting, job interview skills, uh, appropriate job interview attire, and financial stability. I would imagine um, a, a, a young person who's uh, what age, 12, 14, uh, and on up, maybe some are younger. How difficult uh, did you find it in uh, teaching kids about uh, motivation and and uh, and really life skills is what we're talking about. How, what, what kind of challenge was that for you? The biggest challenge was finding somebody qualified to teach them. We had different people that were a part of that original group that picked up and took over doing some of those things. There was a lady by the name of Tammy Hayden that took on the life skills portion of it. And she would work with the kids teaching life skills. We brought in a organization called Arise that had a program about teaching life skills. So we eventually got the funds together. We brought them in and we did some staff training with them on using the Arise, uh, the Arise life skills curriculum. Uh, to be able to teach. And all those things that we wanted to teach were a part of that curriculum. And once we got trained in that, then we started to use those, uh, those tools that they provided us with to teach the kids. Now, some people uh, listening might be familiar with uh, Conquest uh, and the uh, Challenge Girls Clubs. Um, are you connected to them? Um, uh, do they, did they, are they an outgrowth of what you started? No, we are an outgrowth of what they already have in existence. Conquest and Challenge are uh, part of Catholic Charities. One of the other uh, very strong supporters that we've had has been Father Norman Fisher over at St. Peter Claver. So, so Father Norman was there and helped us get started also when we started our Boys and Girls Club. So that was where the conquest and the challenge piece came in. They helped us to use the conquest challenge curriculum, I guess you would call it, to, uh, to kind of structure what we were doing. We used the virtues as a part of teaching because 
the 12 virtues are basically morals and values that you want to instill in young people so that they grow up to be productive citizens. And that's the piece that Conquest brought to us. Father Norman brought that piece to us. Him and uh, Duncan Taylor, who's with TaylorMade Farms, uh, came in and they brought the piece from Catholic Charities and they helped us with that. And we used that to start the Boys and Girls Club and to teach those values and those basics that we think all kids need to learn. What do you think have been the biggest uh, changes um the progress that you've made, or maybe at times when you think, um, I'm sure you've had some days and nights when you thought maybe uh, you needed to start again, or that you were challenged by uh, the surroundings that, that we all have to deal with. Uh, so talk a little bit about the, the, the short history, but in, in, in your mind, I'm sure it's not short. Uh, some of the a progress you've made and, and some of the setbacks you've had to deal with and how you have tried to lead your uh, kids uh, through through both progress and through the setbacks. Restructuring, uh, we've done quite a bit of restructuring. When we first started out, Mike was working with Duncan and Father Norman and started the, with the boys club first because they wanted to work with the young men. I went on, uh, another direction and worked with another group, Nerd Squad, and we were doing tutoring. We were in separate locations and it went along well, but when you don't have a lot of people doing the project that you're doing, then you tend to spread yourself kind of thin trying to do it. And then Mike became ill uh, about two years after uh, we got started with cancer. And when, as he became sicker, then that meant being stretched even farther. So when we finally lost him a few years ago to the cancer, I ended up going to the Boys and Girls Club. By then we had boys and girls. So I went over to the Boys and Girls Club. We stopped doing the extra tutoring. We tried to do that in, in a separate arena for a while and it just didn't work for us. So restructuring is what we did. I went to running the Boys and Girls Club and it was like, okay, why don't we just bring everything over here? We started to work with uh, Zeta Phi Beta sorority and they started coming in after we lost Mike and volunteering with us. And they took on some of that educational portion for Martha Crumby, who still works with us largely with the educational portion and her sorority sisters, they took over uh, some of the tutoring, but we did it on Tuesdays when we did Boys and Girls Club. At the same time, we they took on doing some academic testing to find out where a student just what was, so we would know what they needed and where to work with them at. We brought in On The Move Art Studio and they came in and worked with us doing arts and crafts. So the biggest thing was just restructuring the program and putting everything under one roof, so to speak, so that you had better control and you could provide the different services that you wanted to without everybody being spread out all over the place. Uh, so that's been the biggest challenge. 
uh, as far as how the kids deal with it, their kids are a lot more flexible than we are. And it, it wasn't a problem. You know, we divide up into different groups. We do one thing in one group over here and tutoring might be going on in another area. And that's the kind of the way we did it. And then the summer camp, the biggest challenge was it growing and having enough volunteers that are there on a daily basis. But we've managed to, to get through it. We have people just like how the kids do word of mouth that grows, so have our volunteers. We have friends that will tell another friend, oh, you're not doing anything, come on over and help us out. And they'll bring them that first time and, and it's like, oh, well, this is all right, I like this. And then they'll keep coming back and year after year, they come back uh, you know, and, and fill in and help us out. Uh, as far as Boys and Girls Club, our volunteers, the New Catholic Newman Center at the, over at UK, they, we get volunteers from there. We get uh, a VISTA volunteer that works with us. We have uh, UK interns that work with us. So as our, our group of kids are growing, so are our volunteers. Where you are to be uh, celebrated and congratulated for uh, the success that you've had. And you, you've uh, told us about some of the programs. Uh, one of the other uh, interesting aspects of Community Inspired Solutions is uh, a podcast that uh, the, the kids have uh, started working on uh, in uh, the recent past. And we're going to bring one of those students in and uh, let them uh, tell us all about the podcast. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll do that in just a moment after we hear from Spalding University. At Spalding University's School of Creative and Professional Writing, students develop mastery of the writing skills, highly prized in today's workplace, including arts and humanities organizations, government agencies, corporations, and small businesses. A professional writing student will explore opportunities writing for trade and consumer media, including reviews, profiles, interviews, and articles for sports, food, travel, health and science, and other publications. Learn more at spalding.edu slash schoolofwriting or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. The participants in the program that we've uh, talked with Ms. Webb about have gotten involved in a number of projects, as uh, Ms. Webb discussed. One of those is a youth podcast titled Through Their Eyes. It gives the kids a chance to share thoughts on many current issues young people are facing. The podcast is produced, directed, and hosted by the kids in the program. And one of those uh, podcast hosts is Arlie Green. And Arlie joins us uh, for a conversation along with Mrs. Webb uh, is going to stay with us too. So Arlie, first of all, tell me a little bit about yourself, uh, your age, where you go to school, and uh, then we'll talk about the podcast. Um, I'm Arlie. I go to STEAM Academy and I got introduced or interested into this uh, because my mother had heard about it. So she said thought it would be a good idea for us to get into it. And you have been coming to Community uh, Inspired Solutions how long? For about four or five years now. Oh, okay. Started young. And whose idea was it? Do you remember uh, when you thought about doing a podcast, uh, how did that conversation go? What, what, did, what really, what thought process did you go through to develop a podcast and, and to begin to do it? 
Uh, well, our one of the other um, kids' mothers had brought up the idea of starting the podcast, and we just started like coming up with questions and topics for the like to actually do the podcast. You've done about um, what four or five to this point? Yes, they they have four out so far. And uh, I understand not only podcast, which is usually audio, but uh, video too. And you've you've posted those, and and uh, I don't know in the future if you're going to continue with just the audio or video or or both. But Arlie, tell me about uh, the subject matter uh, that you began with on those. The first one we did, uh, we did a podcast on COVID and how to prevent it. They interviewed Mr. Kevin Hall from the health department for the first one. Ms. Webb, what do you think the podcast um, has done for the kids that have been involved in it? And um, what do you think they take away from it? I think the big takeaway has been to give them different perspectives of what happened. We looked at what happened in uh, D.C. in January. We looked at what happened last summer with the protest. Some of our kids here in Lexington were even a part of a protest that took place. And they were, they were there, they saw it in person, and that kind of energized them. But the big thing that they, they, they've taken away has been to look at different perspectives. We've talked a lot about civics and politics and economics and the role that it all plays into what happens in society. And then they have had the opportunity to talk to different people. They talked to Mr. Ed Hamilton, who is a famous sculptor that lives in Louisville and was there doing the whole uh, Breonna Taylor protest and has a mural on the side of his studio of uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. They talked to Ms. Stachelle Bussey, who is the founder of the Hope Bus and a, a minister there in Louisville and an activist. They had the opportunity to talk to her and get their perspectives on what happened in Louisville and then the, the protest in Louisville and then the, uh, the storming the Capitol in DC and how they felt about that. They talked to Divine Karama with Believing in Forever here in Lexington who was an activist and his perspective. We talked to Ms. Jeanette Andrews, who's a registered Republican, and looked at it from her perspective, what is going on in the country and how she felt about what happened in Washington in January and learned that being a Republican doesn't necessarily mean that you support those actions are those people. Kelly Kilgore, who is a defense attorney and gotten some of his perspective on it. They talked to Senator Reggie, Reggie Thomas, a political perspective. So we want them to look at all different angles and not just form an opinion from one perspective of it. Uh, that was one of the things that Ms. Andrews had talked to them about. She said she doesn't watch just one news channel. She watches them all because she wants to hear everybody's side of the story. Then she can honestly form her own opinion. And that's what we want the kids to be able to do. 
to look at all different sides of the story and then come up with an opinion and not just what someone else tells them. Ms. Webb, as we wrap up, uh, taking all the programs that uh, you've been such a big part of putting together and now the podcast uh, addressing these uh, uh, serious uh, subject matter for uh, a 12, 14, 16-year-old to really grasp and, and get their, their head around and understand that there are two sides to, to uh, um, an issue and uh, two sides to a, a story that they might see on television or radio or in a podcast. What do you think the, um, the biggest takeaway for, for you and the kids uh, have been over the history of the program? Um, what do you want the kids to leave with? And I think it's, it's to always look at those, to look at a, a, an issue from every angle um, and not just the initial view that you see. But I want them to understand. I want them to understand all the different perspectives we've talked about that economics, politics, all those things pay, play a role in what happens in society. When we first started this, that was something would come up and I would start to talk about the economics of it or the politics of it. And that was some of the questions that they would always ask. Well, why does that always have to do with everything? Why is politics always a part of everything? Or why is that, you know, money always a part of everything? So trying to help them to understand how all those things fit together. Well, I, I want to congratulate you once again, uh, Ms. Webb, for the work that you've done on community-inspired solutions. Uh, Arlie, uh, you are um, uh, uh, a podcast uh, maker and uh, host and uh, somebody who is learning a lot about the world as you go through this process. And uh, there's so many quality, uh, substantive programs, Ms. Webb, that you put together. Uh, I want to thank you for sharing uh, your thoughts with our Think Humanities podcast audience and wish you the very best of uh, luck in the future. Hopefully the program will grow. Uh, you will have uh, your need for more volunteers, which you sound like you do a pretty good job of uh, gathering those. Uh, and just want to say from Kentucky Humanities, uh, the best to, to all of you involved in the program. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's story for 49 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities.